Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the Orc Countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom. McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! The day of the trial is upon us. Maka Deathcap is to be tried for the betrayal of Presidential Umos, First Blade, Chestnut Kell, and the disaster that occurred in Orvel, not to mention the curse that has befallen the people of Bleen. Luckily, the turtle who left his swamp in search of answers and help um, has found some friends along the way. Uh, Duncan Kindano of the Dawnbreakers, Princess Gwendolyn of Orvel, and of course, Ita, the orc accountant, who is uh, 
desperately trying to figure out uh, and un- uncover the conspiracy occurring in the Empire of Numbers. Along with their trusty, trusty, quote, quote, trusty uh, lawyer, Murdoch Truegood, um, the five of you uh, head to um, the trial. Is there anything you'd want to do before you go? Uh, I'd be curious to know, Tom, if I received any benefits to uh, to sleeping um, in terms of yes, we can count, or anything count like that a long rest. You can have everything back. Oh, I can't that's nice. necessarily cast spells depending on where I am, but I have a feeling, you know, it's not just going to be, ah, yes, court is adjourned and we were wrong. You were right, Maka. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Anything's possible when you use your imagination. Yeah. I do feel like I'm watching one of those movies where you're like, he's obviously innocent. Like, come on. <laughs> Why are these people so stupid? Anyways. I think Duncan will have had to stitch up his clothing again because he definitely got the shit stabbed out of it fighting Eisenhorn L. Ravon. So he'll have done his weird stitch work making his leather patchwork sexy quilt of clothing <laughs> back to 100% like the rest of them. Yeah, I feel like at this point, um, it's not so much that you're having to repair new rips and, and stabs. It's like the stitching on your previous stitch-ups has been cut so weirdly you're like, <laughs> repairing the repair job not the base <laughs> material anymore yeah it's it's very edward scissor handians <laughs> nice it's a really good term and i like it That's it's great. uh scissor handian oh yeah very good oh yes <laughs> overly modeling with a slight uh fantastical edge yeah oh very nice um great um ita um is there anything you would want to do um, I mean, I think Ida's more just kind of like ruminating. She doesn't really have any more information, right? Like, no, 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 for sure. Available I, I to her curious. right now. So I think she's, she's kind of like, I guess there's not much for me to do with this trial. I, I mean, I will, I contemplate my people. Yeah, I feel like in a lot of ways, um, Ida is kind of in a ride share with the rest of the party where it's like she's she's happy to see them get there on time. But like she's also going places on her own. So, yeah, yeah that's right. And like everyone else is kind of having a conversation and she's not really part of it. So she's kind of like looking out the window, thinking of her own stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and is there anything Gwendolyn would do? Um. I think, I mean, I think Gwendolyn's, I think she's feeling pretty okay. I mean, I mean, she trusted Lady to support, oh, I can't remember her name. <laughs> Sorry. Murdoch? Um, no, the, the, the darn other, it. yeah, darn it. She's like, no, pe- like people, people are going to come through. Oh, I see. Yes, 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 yes. Gotcha. Um, so... No, I think she's more like, oh, right, let's let's also just be aware because things might go to shit. So, oh yeah, I was gonna say Duncan's biggest concern is the fact that Darna mentioned in passing that Tr- Murdoch Trugan had never won a case, which, which was a bit of a red flag to overhear, but not something he could fix. So he's just decided he kind of has to throw some faith into this. I forgot about that. <laughs> Duncan didn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's a little haunted by it, but they don't have any other allies or options. So he has not told anyone else because he doesn't want to scare anyone, but it's in his head. Quote the Simpsons, why do we keep hiring him? <laughs> I forget what the context was, but he literally walked in and he's like, I rest my case. And they're like, wait, you didn't ask any questions. And he's like, objection. Like, you shouldn't have hired this man. Um all right, great. Uh, okay, so um, with that, uh, you make your way to um, the uh, the courtroom. Um, so you find yourselves in a um, uh, a a large court um, that, again, <clears throat> as you've seen through the rest of the imported city, is constructed of a variety of materials. In this case, they all seem to be um, different uh, kind of depictions of justice. Duncan, you're actually. Um, very struck by this on, I think, a very deep level, despite all the, the fears and concerns you have right now. Um, because it is truly uh, beautiful and it is uh, um, humbling in a way to see something that when, uh, although the parts are all very disparate, ultimately adds up to kind of what you're, con- it, it's, I think the first time you've literally seen your conception of justice, which is just um, the various depictions <clears throat> of justice and sort of judicial process from around Gren all in one place. This should theoretically be pretty much as close to a church as I think you would be able to find to justice. Of course, it's tainted by the fact that you're well aware that the systems supporting this um, are a mess and, and corrupt, but there's a purity in the idea at least that, uh, that quite appeals to you. Um in modern terms, it would kind of be like if you walked up to a courthouse and they had like the sort of very traditional Western blindfolded justice holding a scale and a sword, but then also depictions of, of justice from around the world. Um, so you kind of have a one-stop uh, shop, shop for justice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a much more complex sentence, much more tongue twistery than I thought. Like scissor handy, you know? <laughs> um, so... You make your way um, uh, sort of uh, up up the steps um, uh, to this, and uh, you notice that um, the steps are inscribed uh, both uh, not on the the part you step on because that would just fade away too quickly, but on the kind of outward facing part of the steps um, with uh, names of um, one. There's sort of two different flights of stairs going up. Um, with kind of a banister in the middle uh, to the left, uh, the names of the innocent to the right, the names of the guilty, um, but just a real sort of visual depiction of, of kind of the process. Um, there are uh, a number of, uh, of uh, citizens of Bleen that have come out uh, to see the trial. Um, you get the sense that given how badly Maka has been scapegoated, this is rather large news um, and people are attracted, but over and above that, um, the, uh, the sort of three core members of our group have been very visible um, throughout uh, Bleen over the past few days, and uh, people have taken note of your actions. Um, so as a result, there is a tremendous amount of interest. Um, Maka, this is a lot more pomp and circumstance than you ever want anywhere forever. Um, but now that you know to look for it, you see signs of Indara-based product everywhere. You can see everything from the makeup that uh, I believe we described Darna wearing, um, but that you recognize from the root folk, the Sundara uh, product. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you also see people shimmering um, that have a, a, a spore glow 
around them um, that you would recognize as, as like a bioluminescent that you can activate. Um, but this isn't that s- sort of sweet, natural, um, huh, natural. It seems very unnatural, but that like neon green glow that bioluminescence gives off. This is golden and shimmering. Uh, it's, it's visually beautiful, but is, you can tell um, the result now that you, I think now that you're looking for it, you're very easily figuring out how all these things work. So it's like, yes, if you were to inject a pigment into bioluminescence and find a way to artificially charge it, this would be the result. But it means that it's not a natural process. It's a wildly artificial thing being run through uh, a natural process. It'd be like injecting a neon dye into a, a creature's bloodstream. So its veins would look cooler. Like you're just, you can see how, how produced all of this is. Um, Duncan, uh, can you roll me a, are you a, a perception or an insight guy when you're trying to suss out a crowd? Streetwise would probably be fine too, but that doesn't exist in this game. So yeah, um, I think investigation prob- might be fine. Uh, probably insight on the scale of things. Cause I think he does have the training, but the trick is to be able to narrow it down based on his gut after the training. Well, and also again, it's turtles. So uh, emotion oh, yeah. reads much differently on their, their faces than on uh, human faces. Equally expressive, just in a way that you're less familiar with. It's a seven. Um, you're having a hard time telling what the, the general vibe is here other than interest. So the interest is clear, but you can't tell whether it's like, <laughs> People looking on being like, he's he's innocent. This is a travesty. He's guilty. I want to watch him hang. Like, you know, like the sort of like crowd outside the the, the courtroom. There's it's hard to, to get a vibe. Uh, it's a really yeah, funny a, image to me and being like, <laughs> just be like, there's interest here. Well, he's just looking around and there's just <laughs> a lot of turtles chanting words he doesn't understand and waving signs he can't read, who seem very adamant about whatever their opinion is. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's, great, side it's on. there's great passion. No matter what, you just have no idea what that passion is geared towards. Um, as a brief aside, uh, I went and saw Face Off at the the Bell Lightbox Tiff Theater as part of a hey. John Woo retrospective, um, and we of course laughed our way through the whole thing because it's Face Off and had a great yeah. time. At the end of it, this uh, there's a really f- like nerdy film guy next to me. He's like, "So, I can't tell. Do you guys like this movie?" And we're like, "Fucking yeah, man!" But it's also Face Off. Like, if you're not laughing at, like, face waterfall bullshit, you're doing it wrong. And I feel like it's kind of that, where it's just, like, Duncan is that film guy just being like, but it's John Woo. I should respect this without paying attention to, like, Nick Cage being Nick Cage. It's it's so hard to tell what the intent is, but you know there's a lot of intent. Um, Gwendolyn, what would your, your track be? Also, yeah, don't treat fucking face off as like a masterpiece of cinematography and film. Like, get out of here. Um, but it is. Off, and I don't think it's that funny. I think it's amazing. But let's continue. Yes, but like laughing in enjoyment, not in like this is dumb, but like I don't, shit. I don't knock anyone else laughing at it, but I don't laugh. I just love. Fair enough. So welcome to Curse Code. This is a different off. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say. We've just pointed out that Duncan is Ryan and Ryan is Duncan. So this metaphor continues. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> From uh, the makers of... <laughs> it's just garbage channel. <laughs> I uh, really yeah, Laura, what's, uh, what's Gwendolyn doing? Um, Gwendolyn is... I mean... I think she's she's kind of like... They have to, I mean, okay. There's an awareness that like, she, she's going to need these people. Mm-hmm. We're going to need these people at some point. So 
I, I think there's kind of she's she's paying attention because she also wants to be prepared to like defend Maka if like things go wrong. But I think she's just kind of like nodding at people, kind of like doing kind of like, hello. Yep. Nice, nice to nice to be here. You're not doing like the royal wave, you're actually no. like doing a real person wave. No, she's yeah, she's trying to be like overly friendly, like, hi person yep. here like just like you we're we're all alike like there's kind of a that kind of vibe she's not saying those things no, <laughs> like, I... hello person you and hello, me we're hello. not too different you and i like it's... yeah you're, you're not a bond villain um <laughs> no cool so i guess then uh my follow-up question would be normally gwendolyn your your kind of modus operandi with these situations has been to ascertain whether uh, the the people you're working with would be a good fit for the Alliance of Equals, or yeah. if the people you're going to surplant them with would be a good fit for the <laughs> Alliance of Equals. Yeah. Um, where are you at on that front with Bleen right now? Uh, I think it entirely depends upon the outcome of this trial, mm. because if um, essentially if they're the kind of people that's going to like throw Maka under the bus then they're not deserving of a place at the table. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Unless there's like, you know, like a group of them who are like not part of the justice system who are like, but like, we're, you know, it's like, we're cool. Like them, if there's anyone like that. Yeah, like if there's a turtle named Karen who seems real nice, you know, she can invite him into her armor. Thanks, Ryan. Um, I also just like the idea that you would allow someone who's like, I'm real cool. It's like, oh, well, you're the person I want to bring into my alliance wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah, it, it's, it's a determine whether you'll poison the pool or like poison the well by uh, bringing these folks in. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's good to know that that's an additional set of stakes, I think for, for Gwendolyn, which mm-hmm. is like, yeah, obviously we've got to figure out um, if we can save Maka, but, over and above that, are these people worthy of of being an equal in in an alliance? Because yeah. honestly, the way you've set it up, if anyone is an asshole, everyone's in deep trouble. Yeah, and it's not in the sense of them like being lesser, but it's more of the worry that like, oh, they could like take over, exactly. or they yep. could, yeah, yeah, they okay. could get too big for their britches and stomp all over everyone else yeah those famous turtle pants that we always talk about um, you know yeah 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 uh no i love that okay that's great so um with that, all of that kind of context with uh sort of um weighing you down uh the uh the three of you uh plus ida and um uh murdoch uh make your way into the uh into the actual courtroom um this is one of the, the few times where you, and you, you've seen this a few other places, but where it does seem to be uh, uniquely tortle architecture once you're inside. Um, in here, it, it is that old, uh, as we talked about, sort of that old uh, carved wood vibe. Um, so large round space um, with kind of a, a central pillar, um, a little off center uh, for the judge um, and uh, sort of carved um uh, sort of uh, little alcove booths for the uh, the accused and uh, the prosecution. Um, you can see that there are uh, sort of that classic uh, gladiatorial arena style seating um, above uh, 
uh, the actual courtroom. So rather than having people seated down on ground level, they're all kind of up in a um, sort of raked seating, looking in and down. Um, People are filtering in from outside, but generally speaking, it's already packed. Uh, And you notice, uh, Duncan, I think you'd probably be the first to notice this. Um, The people in those seats are clearly like the high end of the merchant class. So bedecked in finery, um, everyone outside seemed a little bit more rank and file, but these these guys all remind you much more of uh, of, of Wajdi and his kind of uh, merchant class of of people who are um, the beneficiaries of a lot of the work that happens here. Um, which isn't surprising to you because that's often how courts end up shaking down all the <laughs> high society gets to show up and everyone else gets to stand outside and just be told what justice was and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um uh Gwendolyn and Duncan, you are separated from from Maka uh, along with Ita and kind of brought to um there's a, a bench not up in the upper parts, but kind of along the wall for like close supporters and counsel that aren't the lawyer and the accused. So you're still on ground okay. level with them, but you're not like up there. Um and similarly, um across the way you can see the uh the prosecution kind of taking uh their seats along with um, some other dignitaries along the side, directly behind the judge, but very clearly in your line of sight in almost like one of those little um, emperor balconies is uh, Vice Presidentia uh, Cleon Rootback, uh, along with Second Blade uh, Tamlin Deepcry, who are presiding over it. Uh, Duncan, from your, from a quick glance from you, like, this is one of those classic, like, well, here's the judge, but here's the judge's boss and the executioner. So very, very consciously in in the, the view line. Um, you can see though that Cleon looks slightly uncomfortable um, in the uh, in the position. Um, it hasn't been realistically that long uh, since the incident at Orville in the greater scheme of things. So there's definitely a bit of that unease that comes with being the uh, the vice president who is suddenly thrust into the limelight. Um, but he does seem pretty. Uh, you know, like he, he's giving off an air of like, mm, yes, I'm here. But you can tell there's a, like, he doesn't, he's presenting that, but there is no bearing of authority coming off of him, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Ginkgo Longleaf, uh, the ambassador, is uh, sitting nearby. Uh, he's got one of those like Grecian, uh, like ancient Greece, had these like, <clears throat> when they drink wine, there's all these like long, like basically almost think like a, like a platter with a stem. So he's, uh, he's drinking wine off one of those. So just this big fucking flat goblet um, and is uh, talking uh, to some courtiers who are kind of over his shoulder and like laughing at his jokes in a very sycophantic way. Um, the, uh, the prosecution um, comes in and uh, is uh, improbably wearing a uh, classic British uh, like barrister's wig. Um, so like the um, uh, sort of um, curled wig. Uh, though it's made of natural materials, so of of uh, sort of um, twigs and vines um, and uh, and that sort of thing, um, he's uh, he's a fairly bookish uh, looking turtle. He's got a little like parsnay on the edge of his nose, and is doing that somewhat bumbling thing that um, only like lifelong academics can really pull off, kind of like fumbling some scrolls and that sort of thing. Um, has a couple of eager aides who are like cleaning them up and, and delivering them. Uh, that said, um, despite the kind of bumbling demeanor, uh, has an air of of absolute comfort in this room. 
Like there's no, there's no hint of nervousness. There's bumbling, but it's not like, Oh no, I'm worried. It's literally just, I have no coordination. Um, but in a way that is somewhat unsettling uh, because he is walking into this place. Like it's just a day at the office for him, which isn't great. Murdoch, meanwhile, is sweating more than a turtle ought to. Um, she is uh, constantly dipping her hand into a bowl of, of ice and water, uh, trying to like, calm down uh but no she is a she's an awkward looking turtle uh all the the flash and pizzazz is doubled because she is clearly very nervous um and uh dennis of course is cool as a cucumber because that's how dennis rolls um as you're all seated the uh the judge enters um hazel kell uh the the, the wizened uh uh turtle judge um <clears throat> wearing a um uh, uh, almost like a, a long scarf of authority uh, around uh, wrapped around her her neck uh, several times over. Um, you can see. Um, I think Ita would probably be the one to notice this. Um, there are uh, verdicts um, stitched uh, in at every line. So at a distance, it kind of looks like a cross thatch. But um, with your eye for detail, you can see that the the all the verdicts she's passed are are represented somewhere on this. It's a long fucking scarf. She's been at this for a long time. Um, so what's the what's the guilty not guilty? You ratio? can't tell. Ratio. <laughs> can't read from this distance. You can just see that it's it's clearly uh, like the judgments that have been passed. Um, you're unable to tell. And actually, I, I would say you're also uncertain if the purpose is to indicate whether it's guilty or not guilty, or whether the uh, the purpose and intent is just to remind the judge of the weight of their decisions um, one mm. way or the other. Um, so um, she comes in and um, uh, picks up a, um, a, a, a small um, ancient, uh, what looks like not a turtle, but a turtle shell and claps it against the um, uh, hollowly against the, uh, the podium, bringing uh, quiet to the room. And um, she says, uh, Mm, yes, we are here now to determine the fate of a notorious figure in our community. Mm. You cast a long shadow, Marker Deathcap, former gravekeeper of Bleen. But today we shall determine the nature of your legacy mm, and what you mean to us and our people. Do you stand prepared? to defend yourself. I do. Mm. Yes. Um, and uh, she uh, looks to Murdoch and says, and you, counsel true good, are you prepared to assist your client in the defense of his very being? And uh, Murdoch just raises a hand and uh, says, your honor, my client has suffered a grave injustice at the hands of, and uh, Hazel is just like, yes, enough, enough. I will take that as a yes. You may save your spiel for the trial. Mm. Um, and then uh, she turns to uh, the prosecution um, and uh, says, um, Mowgli, Bark sheath. Are you prepared to bring the argument of the people of Blaine? <clears throat> and um, he just pushes his glasses up his nose a little bit and says, 
Um, yes, your, your honor, I am very prepared hmm, to uh, bring the case of the people of Bleen against Makadeth Camp. Yes, it would seem that justice must be served here today, and I am happy to assist in any way I can. Um, and you see, uh, Duncan, this pisses you off to no end. You see a slight softening of uh, the judge's features. Uh, because he clearly said exactly the right things, whereas dear sweet Murdoch definitely said exactly the wrong things. Um, and uh, with that, the trial is underway. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you to the grand darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and I'm releasing my report on the Valentine Heresy. It's an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. Join Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, and Laura Elizabeth and Tyler Hewitt as Hive-bred siblings Lyric and Alto, as this unlikely trio try to save the Emperor from a cabal of mysterious enemies in a series created by games master Tom McGee. Can these unlikely heroes survive in a galaxy where there is only war? Find out in the first episode of Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, available now. Maka, would you want to present your case first, or would you like the case against you to be presented? Probably the case against me. See what I'm truly accused of and and why. Cool. So... um, the jury, um, I should mention, is cloistered behind the judge, um, so kind of over the judge's shoulders, um, unlike kind of our modern courts in uh, North America here, where you're kind of off to the side. Um, you can almost see there's a, a downplaying of the judge's importance uh, to the jury in the hopes mm. that the jury will will focus more on uh, the uh, the defense and the prosecution. Um, so with that, Mowgli uh, steps up. And um, as soon as he gets out in front of the judge into kind of the, the little um, speaking area, um, you can see a lot of that bumbling kind of fall away. And um, he says, uh, in my experience, uh, honored members of the consortium of Bleen, it is often better to experience something than to hear a humble total like myself speak of it. And so, in considering the matter of Maka Deathcap, accused of impersonating an ambassador to Sprongbreck Fortress and possibly, and I can't say for sure, but shall we say probably ruining our trade relationship with them indefinitely, to poisoning our very way of life through all manner of sneaky potions, and of course, bringing the blight that now affects us so terribly. I could tell you of these things, but perhaps the dead can speak louder than I. And he turns uh, and gestures to the door, and um, a couple of uh, of worker turtles come in, um, pulling uh, sort of two wheeled wagons, like sort of like rickshaws, um, piled uh, with corpses into the uh, into the courtroom um <clears throat> now they aren't huge obviously they're like it's a total so they're they're, they're large um but we can say there's probably about uh 
between five and six bodies on on each one. Like they're not like you know a massive stack, but it's very much like a ring, ring, bring out your dead kind of deal. <laughs> um, and um, you can tell that um, unlike the bodies you saw at Maka's uh, hut, um, these have actually been like not embalmed, but given that kind of treatment. Like they, you can smell like perfumed oil on them. They've been cleaned up. They're in. They're wearing finery. Um, they're they're like very carefully stacked. They've clearly been like treated as well as one can treat a corpse that refuses to uh, rot. <clears throat> so he wheels the, these two carts up, and um, he kind of just gestures uh, to the, the workers who just kind of like dump them out into the center of the floor, and the the corpses kind of tumble over each other into a pile. And he looks down at them and he says, "These turtle claims to be." the grave keeper of Bleen. And yet, when we needed him most, he turned his back on us and our beloved Presidentia Umos, and instead has cursed us with this. Our bodies will never rot. Our spirits will never transcend. He is not a grave keeper. He is a robber of death. And I implore you, to find him guilty on all counts. Uh, Ryan, Duncan you... lets out a big sigh of relief, uh, and he just turns to Gwendolyn beside him, and he goes, this is so much better. I was really worried he was going to do necromancy, and I think I would have been honor-bound to kill him. <laughs> well, um, I kind of thought that's where they were going, too. This is like, but this is like, also, why is no one objecting? Why are there oh, no I... objections here? Like that, I mean... Even I know that language like was like super emotional. Yeah, this is the problem. You may have noticed at the beginning that that guy knows exactly what to say that the judge likes, and Murdoch Trugood has a good speech worked out that seems to be unrelated to being a lawyer. So I think it's going to come down on yeah. our side to who starts ranting first. And I think the Ida cuts lawyer or the total. Ida cuts in too, being like, I also do not understand why like. The judge is wearing the thing with all like the, the verdict on it. And yet the jury seems more important. Should the weight of it not be on the jury then? This is very confusing. It does, right. I do not understand. So your problem is that they didn't make scarves for the jury. No, that they're showing that the weight is on the judge, but the weight seems to be on the jury. And yet it seems it should be on both. It should be on everyone, no? Here, do you um, know what? I've got this book for you. Why don't you write down your thoughts in here? <laughs> also, the fact that guilty has pen. fewer letters, so it will literally be less weighty with more guilty verdicts. This is very confusing. All right. So. Um, I start, and I, I'm in, and I, I like trail off as I start writing it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine yeah. you're still talking, but it's like you do that thing where you're like talking, but also running. You're like, yes, and it's very confusing, and it's very confusing. And like it just turns <laughs> yes, into exactly. the script. Yeah, there's no, she, like, it's just a pure transition. There's no, there's no blip. <laughs> When she looks to Duncan with a new idea, he just lifts the book up in front of where his face is and she starts writing again and he lowers it down so she can like focus on that. Uh, Maka, um, what, what, you're sitting aside from them again. You're in kind of like a little uh, alcove that's been carved, almost like, I think like a tiny band shell that's been carved up and out of the ground. So you don't have line of sight on them. You can't actually hear them. Um, all of your kind of uh, auditory experience is aimed directly at the judge and the the opposing counsel. So you can hear some muttering, but it, it's unclear to you because of kind of the wooden structure behind you. So you, you're kind of weirdly in your own little <laughs> like noise canceling space. Okay. What's uh, what's going on for you as as you you hear this opening argument and the delivery of the bodies? Um, 
I don't think Maka has the full grasp of how a trial is supposed to go, really. Um, but he's hearing these claims made against him, and I think he's just taking an internal inventory of how he would refute those if he's being asked to. Um, he's also probably glancing over at, at Murdoch to kind of get an idea of what's supposed to happen next. Right. Um, so uh, Murdoch um, pulls her hand up out of the, the, the cold, <laughs> the cold pool to try to bring temperature down uh, and just kind of shakes it off and says, these, these things never work. <laughs> you know, yeah. they tell you, they tell you, you know, you're cold blooded. This is, this is what you need. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't do a fucking thing. Useless. Okay, great. Um, and she uh, she strides purposefully out, um, leaving Dennis uh, behind. Just sort of strides out into the space and says, uh, "Gentle turtles of the jury, esteemed judge, esteemed counsel, and uh, assorted haggards off." <laughs> My client, Maka Deathcap, is many things. He is a turtle. He is a healer. And, and she pauses for effect, he is innocent. So I ask you, all of you, all of you here today, to ask yourselves, what do you think he is? Because I've just told you, he's a turtle. He's a healer. And he's, and then she does a full The Rock, like spins her hand around and puts it up next to her ear hole <laughs> uh, and starts like gesturing to the crowd. And there's like nothing, just dead silence. And innocent. Says, That's right, everyone. You got it. He is innocent. So I ask you, and she just like points wildly at the jury uh, to consider deep down inside your hearts what that means. Because to me, if you're innocent, it means you shouldn't have to pay for the crimes that you did not commit. That's what it means. In closing, my client and Maka, you're just like, you're watching this thinking like this. I guess this is how trials go. uh, My client has but one important thing to say to you that you need to hear before you consider the rest of this. We don't have flashy bodies to dump because my client is innocent and has nothing to do with that. So we don't have props. We just have the truth. So I ask you, will you heed the words of an innocent man or the flashy propaganda of this guy? And she points to like, again, the very austere, like, clearly knows what he's doing turtle who does kind of take this and he kind of like he's, he's giving like a, a kermit the frog giving you the time of day kind of like hmm, at it um <laughs> but then also kind of turns to the jury in a very like yeah who do you trust right now kind of way and uh of course you all can see them like kind of looking at him and looking back at murdoch and looking at the bodies and kind of like muttering to each other says all right um so without further ado uh uh, uh mock a death cat innocent man what do you have to add? Tell him. Tell him, Maka. Tell him how innocent you are. And Gwendolyn just like whispers to Duncan's like, oh, oh, God, she has no idea what she's doing. Yeah, this is why we sort of had to, shall we say, leverage the jury. <laughs> uh, looking to the jury, um, 
you do. Uh, it would seem that uh, for for all of her other faults, um, she wasn't wrong. Uh, half are very clearly like doing cl- like very classic like <laughs> bad extra in Law and Order episode, like crossing their arms and shaking their heads, like clutching their little turtle pearls. The other half <laughs> are are kind of like just so vexed by everything that's going on. They can tell they don't necessarily think he's innocent, but they also don't necessarily think dumping a bunch of corpses in the middle of the room is like a good argument. Um, but sure enough, uh, so far at least, um, Wajdi, Phaedron, and Darna are are staying just completely blank, which you take kind of as a good sign because they don't need to perform anything because they're they're already bought. But Maka, you are uh, you are brought forward to to speak in your own defense. What do you do? All right. Um, I like Tyler. I'm actually nervous. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I, having, having played <laughs> a role in a court case before on another show, <laughs> I empathize completely. <laughs> All right. Uh, so will Tyler take a deep breath? Maka take a deep breath? Yeah. And then you step forward to deliver your defense. This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, the half-blind prophet. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby. One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield. Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters. Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire on Friendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.